one afternoon there was an incoming email from Narvik standing that we have heard that you need a factory. We have factory. Please bring coffee. Tore Enger founded Tico Group in 1994 and is a true entrepreneur of the maritime industry. His latest company, Tico 2030, was established in 2019 with the goal to accelerate the green transition in the maritime sector by delivering technology that helps ships reduce their environmental footprint. This episode is made possible by Quarter and Tico 2030. Check out the companies with the links in the description. All opinions expressed by Christopher Warname or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Warname. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Warname as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. Tore, thank you so much for taking the time to join me for an episode. Thank you so much for inviting us to to participate. It's a pleasure. So how early did you get an interest in in business or ocean industries and how early did it start the interest for it? I think I've been dreaming about getting into the marine industry since I was a young kid. Uh, So it took a while before we started. Um, We started Tico uh, back in 94. And at that time, I was already 31 years old. I had been involved in the marine industry prior. I was working for Osco Shipping uh, in Oslo uh, prior to that, which is a shipping company which is not even uh, not existing anymore. But I was heavily into product tankers, uh, which uh, has always been close to my heart. And uh, when we started Tico in '94, it was all about cleaning cargo tanks on board product tankers, which we are still doing today. In, in, in one of the Tico Group of companies. So in 94, we started and we had many, many good years. Uh, of course, some ups and downs, but uh, we are um, heading towards uh, soon 30 years uh, with a Tico name in the industry. And um, I think we're quite proud of that. We have operations today uh, out from, I think it's 14 locations worldwide, from Houston Invest to Singapore and East with three commercial hubs, Miami, Oslo, and, uh, and Singapore. So I think that uh, that is very quick uh, about uh, Tico uh, from the start. We are about 120, 30 office employees. And of course, we have also been through the COVID-19. And normally we have two, 300 workers out on various ships and rigs and whatever. And suddenly you're dropping from 300 to zero. So, um, but okay, we have, we are, we have, we have, uh, we are through the COVID-19 and we can now see that, um, in particular, um, Tico Maritime Group has been very involved in the cruise industry for a long, long time. And now we're speaking up again. And for almost 10 years, we was also the biggest shareholder in Scanship, which is today, uh, under the name of WOW, uh, on the stock exchange. So that was a nice journey and took us into the environmental side of the shipping industry. So already in 2015, I will start looking into and dreaming about the green shift coming towards the industry. And since we had already been involved in correct environmental friendly 
products towards the cruise industry since 2008. We, of course, we, we, we know a lot of clients. And um, we started to look into the IMO 2020 uh, and the global sulfur cap. And we have installed something like 150 scrubber towers. So I don't think that anyone has installed as much as us uh, on during voyage. Okay, you have you have help from a 30 days docking period, but the, the rest is happening before and after the dry docking. So and slowly, slowly, everything started, and and suddenly one day we decided to develop our own scrubber. People had asked us for that many times, and we said no, scrubber is a commodity. So unless we can come up with something special, um, we will not do that. Then we just install for everybody else. But then suddenly we met our development partners in Austria, AVL. And then we went full speed and we developed a super scrubber uh, in six months uh, with all the technical things you have uh, when you are working with, with, uh, with AVL simulations and things like that. And then we was hit by covid and at that time, we had also already started with the fuel cell. And TECO 2030 was established as a legal entity uh, in 2019. But it was planned already for many years. Now, it, of course, you took the whole journey. But I'm just curious to, to understand. So when you started your first company, how what made you take the leap to say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur in this industry? I don't want to be only a, a guy working for other companies, but I actually want to have my own stamp on the industry and go ahead and make companies. Because it's not so easy to do it and, and be successful at it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that I've always been keen on, on doing something by myself. I was working for Osco Shipping for uh, almost two years. And that is the only time I have been employed uh, under an umbrella, which we don't control ourselves. So, so from... 94 and until today, we have always been um, uh, on top. And I think it has been a trigger to, to do this. Um, eager to, to see what is the market looking for, what will be the next. Uh, and of course, since 2008, everything has been about the upcoming green shift uh, with all the products we had in ScanShip uh, on board cruise ships. And... Um, Meeting nice people is very important that you have that you have good people around you, um, because very soon you have to accept that you cannot do everything by yourself, and maybe you should just focusing on what you know you are good to do and not everything. Because of course everybody has a lot of pluses, but we also have some minuses. So I think it's important to to find a way. And and today we have a fantastic setup. We have. Uh, 140, 50, all in all, TECO 2030 and TMG. Uh, fantastic uh, people working around the clock, around the globe, servicing our clients on a 24-7 basis. So it's a teamwork from A to O. But during this time, because obviously shipping is known to be a cyclical industry where markets are good and bad. So do you have any years who, where there were very hard times for you to survive? Or has it gone well all these years? Or did you have some, some big challenges you had to overcome? No, I think that I think that we have been okay more or less all the time, uh, even during COVID nineteen, because we have more than one feet to stand on. So even though during the COVID, we basically had nothing to do for our three hundred workers, we suddenly had a enormous appetite for chemicals, for SOX and NOX reduction, 
And of course, also the regular tank cleaning. When you are changing cargo from one type of cargo to another, you have to clean tanks to, to prepare. So, so all in all, um, during all these years, we have, um, yeah, we have, hard, we have had hard times, but I don't remember a long period. And um, no, we, 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 have, we have actually, I'm, I'm trying to think, but, uh, but uh, no, no, we have, we, we have been okay. Yeah, that's good. Very, very impressive. So let's go to decarbonization because that's obviously on everybody's mind. Yeah. If we're going to, to, to take a summary on the status today for people who aren't involved in shipping, how would you summarize you know, the current situation and also why we need to act right now? If you take into consideration that the marine, the maritime industry worldwide is representing almost 3% of the greenhouse gases. So if the marine industry don't do anything, but the rest of the world does, then it's going to increase from three to maybe 15. I've also heard 18. Uh, and that's quite dramatic. So, and we can see now um, there is shipping events ongoing all the time. This week we have ONS. We have people there. We had a couple of guys extra yesterday over there. Arndals Uka, just a few weeks back, uh, is all about the green shift. And for from the owner side, it's all about who is willing to, to, to join them in the gap because it's cost a lot to move from, from one technology to another. Um, but there is an enormous appetite from everybody because I think I really think that people is understanding that this is something we have to do. Uh, we, we, would, we would like our kids and, and later on grandchildren to also have a nice place to stay. So, so I think everybody's trying to find out what can they do. And of course, we, we know what is the easiest way. The easiest way is that all ships worldwide can do port operation on a zero emission basis. Then a lot of things is solved. It's a long way there. And if you're on top of that, also can do the last hour in and the last hour out. It, that's great. Uh, it will take time. Um, but we think that what we're going to see now is that, uh, at least from our perspective, and just to make it sure what Tico 2030 is doing, we are producing the engine of tomorrow. And the fuel is hydrogen. PEM fuel cells with green hydrogen. That's zero emission. That's, as we speak, that is the only uh, pathway to zero emission. Hopefully other things are coming, but today it's only fuel cells and green hydrogen. So we think that what you're going to see is that, um, for example, a trade called Rotterdam, Oslo, UK, that can easily be done on zero emission. We have many projects today which is looking into doing that. And then, of course, you will have an, the cruise industry has a big issue from January 1st, 26, if they want to get into the Hertz Fjords, because that is zero emission. Uh, and if that is going to be changed, I don't think so. Nobody thinks so, but you never know. And uh, it's a huge political interest. However, um, the funding scheme, which is the Norwegian government is uh, doing today, we are, of course, very happy with what we have received. But compared to Germany, France, Portugal, Italy, Spain, Austria, it's uh, we have a way to go. We are missing a couple of zeros, and we have to change from NUC to Euro. Definitely. 
just looking at, we of course touched upon hydrogen right now, but people who have been following the shipping industry knows that several people have different views on what is the next type of fuel, right? Some people say ammonia, some people only think LNG is the right solution, uh, short term at least. So how would you sort of, why did you come to the conclusion you have with hydrogen versus the other alternatives? Or do you believe that there is going to be multiple solutions here, just different use cases? But you know, ammonia and methanol, that part of hydrogen. Yeah. So we are talking about green hydrogen. Um, but you know, the space is big and there is, there is space for everything. If you, somebody wants to do battery, somebody wants to do e-fuel, somebody wants to do methanol, ammonia, and so on and so on, there is space for everybody and everything helps. So, I mean, we just have to, to stay shoulder by shoulder and move this uh, enormous mountain in the right direction. So... Um, but, but the timing seems great right now because there's so many initiatives yeah. going on right yeah. now. So so it seems like, because often when you talk about technology, timing is an important aspect to be in the right sort of, this is that you need good timing to succeed. So, But right now it seems like this is the perfect time to build this kind of project. So yeah, we have been working on this project now for a while. Uh, and we have a team of 60 people, uh, which is uh, on a daily basis doing the development. 20 people is sitting in Norway. And then we have 40 people sitting in Austria and in Vancouver. And of course, we also have 10 guys very soon in Narvik, uh, which is working on a day-to-day basis with, with this project. And um, we are starting and putting our things together already before Christmas this year. We are starting with our prototype um, in the first quarter next year. And we are going into really production in the fourth quarter or next year. And, and a lot of projects will not or will not see daylight before 28, 29. And and we are we are very close to 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 going into production. How does it look the, the solutions you're building in terms of what kind of niche in the market you're going to take? Because some people focus on ferries, some pay near uh, shipping, longer voyages, etc. How, how would you categorize the different use cases you want to build? Or can it be for everyone? For the PEM fuel cells, is short sea shipping, like I said, for example, Rotterdam, Oslo, UK, or of course, West Coast, Norway. Uh, and of course, you're going to have a lot of these hubs around the world. Container vessels up to, let's say, 1,500, 2,000 containers uh, doing Baltic, doing West Coast, can easily go um, on, on, on full propulsion on, on hydrogen. When you see the bigger ones, they will most likely have equipment on board means that they can do port operation on zero emission. We don't think that um, you need you need a different fuel cell to do long haul. Then you have to move over to SOFC, which is solid oxide fuel cells. Um, and that is uh, coming and will most likely entering the market. We think that um, 27, 28. Uh, we are, of course, looking into that. But right now we are uh, we are working on uh, getting our production line up and going in the in Narvik, uh, northern part of Norway, and um, we think that we are um, quite okay on uh, when it comes to when we are getting into production. Because if somebody had like for example 500 megawatt of fuel cells on stock today, there is no takers. The takers are coming from the summer next year. And then forward, you don't, you, and you will not see any volumes before in twenty four. But I think that we and and uh, our competing landscape, 
is basically ready for mass production in 24-25. Can you tell a story on how you ended up in Narvik, building this Gigafactory? Because it's a great story. Oh, that's a fun story. Um, we had actually announced uh, that we was looking for either an existing factory or a piece of land um, here, also not Oslo, but, uh, but uh, around here. And then one afternoon, there was an incoming email from Narvik standing that we have heard that you need a factory. We have factory, please bring coffee. And, and we were smiling so much that afternoon. So the next morning, we had two guys on the first plane to Narvik and, um, and Erling, our CEO, Otiko2030 AS, which is in charge of all operation. He said that to the, this building, is just what we are looking for. Maybe even higher standard than what we need. Because that was the old um, solar factory for REC when it was built. So uh, I think basically that deal was done in four hours. And then we, and then we rented the, the building. Uh, we, had, we have a fantastic landlord in Norvik. And we have the option to buy the factory uh, next summer, which of course we will. Yeah, and also interesting part is the great ecosystem that is going on in, in Norway because there are several other big players coming up there. It, we are very happy that we had to show Aker the way to Norway. We are very proud of that. Uh, and of course, that was super nice when Aker suddenly decided to come to, to Norway. Um, and um, we have, um, I think the, the community up there, they have supported us enormously from the very first day. And... Um, I would love to be there, and uh, and uh, we are going to make um, we are going to make a factory which is uh, good for the company, not to mention the employees. We are planning a lot of extra good things like training centers, and um, we are going to 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 make something up in Norway which we're going to be proud of. I'm looking forward to sit down in in maybe 20 years from now and tell my hopefully grandchildren that uh, I was a part of this. Yeah, and a great part is also the, the great ripple effects you get from going into to small local communities because the ripple effects are going to be pretty big as well. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about these, this technology or the new motor, is it fair to say that this is primarily going to be on new builds or do you also plan to, to retrofit other vessels? Or? No, we, th we think that we think that a retrofit um, is going to be the, definitely the name of the game for the next five to eight years. And then you also have to consider and look into what is a retrofit. We think we, we, we know that there will be ships built in India or in China coming with diesel electric driven uh, uh, engines, but ready to install fuel cells. There will be some new builds, but we are, we are working today uh, with, I think, roughly 70 different projects. And I have to say that 68 of them must be retrofit. So, so, uh, but new builds will definitely come. Yeah. So, um, but the retrofit is, uh, it's a, keep in mind that you have 100,000 floating units on the seven seas. And they all need to do something to be better when it comes to emission. In, in terms of, of carbon capture, I know you also have worked out solutions on that. Can you tell me a bit more about that project? Not very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit early. Okay. Uh, but we are working with, uh, with uh, two different technologies. Um, and the, both the teams we are working with is uh, highly skilled on what they are doing. And um, they have 
not so much well they have nothing to do with the marine industry so so that's the combination them and us it's good because we know the clients and we know a lot about uh, how to do it and then we have available technology uh, so we are aiming for maybe to have a demo unit on board a ship sometimes next year interesting if you look at your leadership philosophy, because obviously Tico, Tico 2030, you have established a team and you want to grow it and you want to make it a success. What is the most important principles when you look at leadership and culture and the way you're trying to, to make this company a success? You know, we are, we have people just in this office from, I would say, at least 10 different countries. Uh, in Miami, we have five different countries. In Singapore, we have three or four. Um we are we are working uh, cross culture, cross nations, um, cross sex. We are we are very open, and and um, the skills is what we need, and you know and we need uh, the younger generation. I can say that now because I'm soon turning sixty, so I mean I can easily say the younger generation. We need them, and they need us, and and. Combined, if you find uh, the right way of communicate, respect, and all these things, I think we are making dynamite. I think we have the Formula One team. We are really happy with all our employees, and they are doing a great job coming in from various kinds of educations. But of course, everybody has a has a, a, a big wish of being a part of this green shift. And for us, we have been all over the world for 25 years. No, but it's interesting because you see so many of the younger generation really want to have a strong purpose to work for. And like here, it seems like the perfect example where so many people can take part of a bigger mission here to decarbonize the shipping industry. So it's it's fair to say that that helps to have a great purpose to work from it, to hire the right people. When we started, we was, of course, um, we tried to handpick the first guys, um, which we did with the, with a great success. And from there on, we have, we are using people helping us to get people, but we are we are trying to get people which is really into this, and they really want to be a part of it, and then we are just trying to make the the working environment as nice as possible, uh, and good as possible, and we can see that now, people in Norway, people in Europe. They know us. They know what we are doing. And, and um, also because of our development partner, AVL, in Austria, which is the biggest developer of engines during the past 70 years. With 1,500 engines, with all the big companies in the world as, as, uh, as clients. And now we are producing the first, I would say, Maybe my competing landscape is not uh, agree with me, but we are developing a fuel cell which is tailor-made for heavy industry. Shipping, trains, mining, these things. Uh, heavy trucks, 40 tons. We are not producing and developing a fuel cell for cars. That's Somebody else has to do that. So we are, again, tailor-made for the market we are working in. And um, these rumors is out there. So people is now contacting us and said, we have heard about you. Can I come for an interview? Uh, and we are also handpicking people by, by calling them and say, 
Do you want to change job? No. All right. But can you come in and have a coffee? And when the coffee is over, they are changing job. So we are we 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 know that we are doing something right, and we had we had we have been working on sort of one mission since the very first day, and that is to try to do as less mistakes as possible. So looking a bit ahead, what is the biggest milestones you look forward to for Teco 2030? The biggest milestones is when when our client can physically touch the unit. Because for now, we have everything in the test bench. Competing landscape is a bit of front, in front of us, so they can already let the clients touch it. So I think that is going to be the, 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 the biggest milestone, which is coming up just in a few months, that people can physically touch the equipment. Here is the engine. How has it been to, to tell the story in the capital markets? Has it been an easy story to tell, for, to get the funding on it? I think it has been an easy story to tell, but I think that um, many people is, it's all about risk. And um, I don't think people understand so much about fuel cells and the new engine. But if you are looking back into the history, in 1962, when Kennedy said that we are going to the moon in 69 and we're going to use fuel cells, and they did. So this is nothing new. But now it's getting big. Now it's going to be uh, a commercial unit, which you're going to see all over. And, uh, and I think that that's taking time. And of course, we had the period where everything was high fly. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, have to, I have to be quite proud because we are still up 25% since IPO. And we have not raised money. Uh, so I don't think that basically anyone has lost any big amounts because we have raised money where we are now. We did not raise money when, when, the, when the share price was hyped uh, together with the rest of the world. And then suddenly, you know, people have to sober up and start to take this down and, and start to, 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 to counting what is actually the valuation here. How are we going to do this? So, um, but I have to say that we have been working quite hard on the financing, but... Uh, we are getting there and we are uh, not so far away from being fully financed. We have also um, received 50 million uh, kroner from Innovation Norway. Um, so we hope that we very soon is able to fulfill uh, what we have to fulfill to basically get the money. And um, next week we have a fantastic week in Germany. SMM is coming up, which is the biggest shipping exhibition in the world. We don't like to say that because we want to say that no shipping is the biggest, but SMM is bigger. And that's next week. So so exciting times. But the next big milestone is when somebody can touch the unit. Uh, I can understand that. But, but if you had to pinpoint the biggest risk you see in the company, because you say some people are afraid of the risk, where do you feel the risk is the biggest? Uh, only For me, it's only one risk. And that if the capital market stops completely, that will, of course, uh, not be nice. Because we are, we, what we are doing, we are super strong believers. There will be some minor hiccups here and there, but with the team we have here, with the team we have uh, in, in Gras and in Vancouver, the team we have in Narvik, and um, we are now also in the final stage of, of, uh, of picking out who is going to sell us and install the total production line in Narvik. Yeah, I think we have control of, uh, of all risks. Um, and I think we also have quite control uh, of the, the, the funding situation. 
um, but has been a challenge, and that has been my big challenge all the way because I'm working a lot with that. But the technical thing is just it's fine tuning and testing, and you have to test and you have to break a lot of things apart and 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 do it again. Uh, but we have done that a lot now, and we are um, we are getting closer every day to production and at least start the demo units. Very very good. Just a couple of last questions. We always ask our guests about their favorite books they ever read. Do you have any favorite books you can recommend to the audience? I think that uh, my favorite book is actually. Um, what's the name of that in English? Uh, Ocean's Cathedral, which is a Spanish writer. Fantastic. When did you read it for the first time? 2009. And what made it so fantastic? Ah, it's just, as I mean, we are going back to the to, to four, also six, seven hundred years ago and uh, how everything was built up at that time and um, how bad the, 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 the big guys how how the way they treated people uh it was like um i think i i i passed those 1100 pages in like five days or something i was okay i was sitting on a couple of airports and waiting for some planes and i have a couple of cross-atlantic flights but um, that book is uh, means a lot to me cool i need to check that out yeah please so, do so so just the last question we have so many listeners who are sort of starting their career in shipping or maritime industries and it would be curious to see, to know, what are your best advice for people who want to create a fulfilling career? I mean, we touched upon all the new technologies coming up here. Do you see any trends that you think people should be grabbed towards to, to make an interesting career in shipping? We need, we need innovative people, uh, young guys coming up with uh, good ideas, um, being able to, to really work hard. Uh, and helping to 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 change at least uh, the industry we are into, and I think there's a lot of um, calls. We are ready to take people in uh, if you would like to change the world together with us. And I think that shipping will change to the better, and we need a lot of newcomers to help to do that. So I think that uh, if you want to to continue, if you want to work in the shipping from a technical point of view, is definitely helping out with new technologies, uh, many places on board ships. Perfect, perfect ending. Tore, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed it. If you like this episode and the content we produce, you need to check out our newsletter called the Fransen and Wohnheim Letter. You can find more information in the show notes. And also, if you want to see this episode, head over to my YouTube channel. Just type in Christopher Vonheim. See you next time.